before we get to the episode, I just wanted to shout out to my fellow podcasters. Thank you for the support. I really appreciate it. I want to give something back to you guys as well. If you're looking for sponsors, affiliate links, ads, go on podmetrics.co. That's P-O-D-M-E-T-R-I-C-S dot co. And use my code Divine Healing by D to sign up and find sponsors. That's podmetrics.co. Referral code Divine Healing by D. Good luck. guys welcome back to divine healing by d today we're gonna talk about imposter syndrome what it is uh what we could do to stop it i find that not a lot of people really talk about this and i think it's time that i kind of tackle it from my perspective and through my research and just speaking to different people about it and i hope you guys enjoy it and it kind of brings a lot of things up for you that could give you some clarity so here it is okay so what exactly is imposter syndrome have you ever felt like you just don't belong like your friends family colleagues are gonna just discover that you're a fraud and you don't really deserve your job accomplishments anything good that's coming your way Psychologists call this the imposter phenomenon and estimated 70% of people experience feeling these feelings at some point in their lives. It can affect all kinds of people, women, men, medical students, marketing managers, actors, executives, just think of anybody in a high uh, ranking position. So imposter syndrome, the idea that you've only succeeded due to luck and not because of your qualifications or your talent, was first identified in 1978 by these two psychologists, Pauline Rose Clance and Suzanne Imes. They said in their paper that women were uniquely affected by imposter syndrome, which I always found pretty interesting. I, always, I think it's because women actually are more hard on their accomplishments and themselves than men because in a way we kind of have to if we're more successful we have this kind of guilt about it and not and I think that contributes to imposter syndrome so since then obviously research has shown that both men and women experience it it's not limited to women Uh, it's basically applied to anyone who isn't able to internalize and own their successes And so there are a few patterns that are found in people who experience these feelings. Number one, I think is the most obvious, perfectionists. They set extremely high expectations for themselves. And even if they're going to meet 99% of their goals, they still feel like failures. Any small mistake they make will make them question their own competence. And then next would be experts. They feel the need to know every piece of info before they start this project. And they constantly look for new certifications or trainings to improve these skills. Uh, They won't apply for a job if they don't meet all the criteria in a posting. They might be hesitant to ask a question in class or maybe speak up in a meeting at work because they don't want to look stupid if they don't know the answer. 
And then next is the natural genius. So natural genius has to struggle or work hard to accomplish something. And he or she thinks that means that they're not good enough. They're used to these skills coming easily. And when they have to put in this effort, their brain tells them that, hey, we're an imposter. Soloists feel like they have to accomplish tasks on their own. And if they need to ask for help, they think they means they're a failure or fraud. I feel like when I say the word soloist, somebody's going to come to your mind like right away. And then they're supermen or superwomen. So they keep pushing themselves to work harder than those around them to prove that they're not imposters. They feel the need to succeed in all aspects of life. Work, being parents, partners, and then they're going to just feel stressed when they're not accomplishing anything. I think these people actually end up feeling sick more. And uh, if they also see people for energy healing, their stress is manifested in more parts of their body than other people who don't really adopt this rule. So, question, why do we experience, why do certain people experience imposter syndrome? Obviously, there's not a single answer for this. Uh, People actually, experts who have looked into this have said that it has to do with personality traits, uh, like anxiety, being neurotic, And then while others focus on family or behavioral causes, sometimes even our childhood memories, like feeling if our grades were never good enough for our parents, and then like if we have siblings that outshine us in certain areas, that actually can leave a lasting impact. So people often internalize these ideas that in order for them to be loved or be lovable, I need to just achieve. So it just becomes like this self-perpetuating cycle. And also environment and just institutionalized discrimination can also play like a huge role in these imposter feelings. So a sense of belonging, if you feel like you belong, you have more confidence. And then the more people who look or sound like you, the more confident you feel. And then the fewer the people who look or sound like you, it kind of can impact your confidence. So whenever you belong to a group for whom there are stereotypes about competence, it could, you know, bring up these imposter feelings. So it's like includes racial or ethnic minorities. And we can't talk about how to deal with imposter syndrome, but I don't think that you can really deal with it unless you acknowledge it. And a lot of people don't think that this is a real thing. So... That's why I really wanted to talk about it. First thing to do to overcome these imposter feelings is actually to acknowledge the thoughts and put them into perspective. Just observe them as opposed to just engaging it. So these experts teach people to just let go and just question those thoughts. And just ask yourself this like main question. Does that thought help or hinder me? Next would be to reframe your own thoughts and just learn how to respond to your challenges. So people who don't feel like imposters are no more intelligent or competent or capable than the rest of us, right? We just have to learn to think like non-imposters. You need to value constructive criticism. Understand that you're actually slowing your team down when you don't ask for help if you're in that setting Or remember, the more that you practice the skill, the better you will get at it and it'll help you. 
Also, this is the time to lean on trusted friends or mentors. People who have more experience than you can reassure you that what you're feeling is normal. And knowing that other people have been in your position can seem less scary. You should, if it comes to the point where you feel like this is unmanageable, you should obviously seek out a professional psychologist. If you're going to experience moments of doubt, don't worry. That's normal. Just don't let your doubt control your actions. And just for somebody, if you're going to go visit somebody, a professional about this, the goal for them is just to give you the tools and insight and information to talk yourself down a little faster. You can have an imp- like a free imposter life. Like You should not feel like an imposter. It is doable. So given the pervasiveness of racism, sexism, societal stereotypes that feed the assumptions that we have of inadequacy and the ones that undermine our value, there are really real reasons why imposter syndrome is a real thing. So how do we overcome that fraudulent feeling? I'm going to go over some more questions that you can ask yourself to really get down to the root of it. Number one, do you credit your success to chance, connections, or some other external factor? It's not just the grace of God why you're successful. You earned it, okay? Don't discredit the value of the actual work that you put in. Number two, do you deflect responsibility for your actions? Do you blame when things go wrong with your the project or just anything that's happening right now? Do you stay perched and ready to throw someone under the bus are you always ready to recite your mental list of justifications when you come up short just neglecting to take responsibility of your actions is actually a symptom of imposter syndrome okay you can have a bad day you are human not everyone is supposed to be on their a-game every day just accept it it's fine do you always feel like you have something to prove Everybody's told, do better, be better, perform better. But think about it. Where's the line? Next, do you self-sabotage? I'm sure a lot of people are guilty of it, especially the one who's speaking right now. Whether it's procrastination, impulsiveness, overcommitting, or apathy, we have self-sabotaged ourselves. Okay? That usually comes from feelings of feeling unworthy or inadequate. And what comes in now? Self-awareness. Number five, are you a workaholic? Are you the one who's always staying up late? Are you the one who's doing more work than they should do? Then you probably are a workaholic. Get rid of these unrealistic, unsustainable measures that you have for yourself. Stop being the overachiever. It's not a cute look. Number six, do you avoid challenging yourself? This is funny because a lot of people could say, but if I'm an imposter, aren't I challenging myself? No, that's not how it is. When you're not able to pick up on something right away, it frustrates you to no end. Not trying is better than trying and failing. Lowering your goals is a coping mechanism when you feel like an imposter. So it's like you'd say, "Eh, I'd rather people think I'm lazy than stupid. If that kind of sounds like you, just remind yourself that not everything is going to come easily. And just because it's a struggle doesn't mean that you're not smart. Don't afraid to get up and try and fail and try again. 
Number seven, probably the most important question. Are you a perfectionist? If you're some micromanaging control freak and believe that if you want something done right, you have to do it yourself, there we go. It's probably hand, they go hand in hand with imposter syndrome. Number eight, do you have a hard time receiving constructive criticism? If your boss's approval and your team and your coworkers mean the world to you and any kind of criticism just cuts you deeply and makes you just bleed out, uh, you need to check yourself there. Imposters are always crushed by constructive criticism. Number nine, are you addicted to degrees, titles, certifications, Obviously, education is amazing. I'm a big, big believer in that. It's great to be a lifelong learner. But is it? are you getting all these degrees and certifications because you want to? Or is it your imposter syndrome speaking? Is it because you just feel exposed or inexperienced and you think a new degree would help you with that? That's imposter, uh, imposter syndrome. And... How do you change this mindset? You need to talk about it and we will get into that more. Okay, so I'm just going to get back into the different types of an imposter for you to see which one sounds more like you. I'm going to start with the perfectionist. So they obviously set excessively high goals for themselves. So you are, you can also be a control freak. You feel like you, if you want something done right, you have to do it yourself. That may be you. Just ask yourself these questions. Have you ever been accused of being a micromanager? Do you have great difficulty delegating? Even when you're able to do so, do you feel frustrated and disappointed in the results? When you miss the insanely high mark on something, do you accuse yourself of not being cut out for your job and ruminated on it for days? Do you feel like your work must be 100% perfect, 100% all the time? If you answered yes to most of these, then you are the perfectionist imposter. The next one is the superwoman or superman. Ask yourself these questions. Do you stay later at the office than the rest of your team, even past the point that you're completed that day's necessary work? Do you get stressed when you're not working and find downtime completely wasteful? Have you left your hobbies and passions fall by the wayside, sacrificed to work? Do you feel like you haven't truly earned your title despite your numerous degrees and achievements so you feel pressed to work harder and longer than those around you to prove your worth? If you answered yes to one or all of those questions, you probably are the superman or superwoman imposter. You are addicted to the validation that comes from working, not to the work itself. Start training yourself to veer away from this external validation. No one should have more power to make you feel good about yourself than you. The next one is the natural genius. So these people have this need to be a natural genius. They judge their competence based on ease and speed as opposed to these efforts that they have in other words they take long to master something they feel shame ask yourself these questions are you used to excelling without much effort do you have a track record of getting straight a's or gold stars and everything that you do were you told frequently as a child that you were the smart one in your family or peer group 
Do you dislike the idea of having a mentor because you can handle things on your own? When you're faced with a setback, does your confidence tumble because not performing well provokes a feeling of shame? Do you often avoid challenges because it's so uncomfortable to try something that you're not great at? Okay, so if you answered yes to one of those or all of those, you are the natural genius imposter. Do you want to move past this? Okay, try seeing yourself as a work in progress. We are all a work in progress. No one's perfect. Accomplishing great things involves lifelong learning and skill building. Even the most confident people, please remember that. Rather than just beating yourself up when you don't reach your impossibly high standards, just identify specific changeable behaviors that you can improve over time. The next is the soloist. They feel as though asking for help relieves that they're phony. And we just have to remember it's okay to be independent, but not to the extent that you refuse assistance so that you can prove your worth. This could get a little dangerous in certain circumstances. So ask yourself these questions. Do you firmly feel that you need to accomplish things on your own? I don't need anyone's help. Does that sound like you? Do you frame requests in terms of requirements of the project rather than your needs as a person? If you answered yes to one or all of these, you are the soloist imposter. The next is the expert. They measure their competence based on what and how much they know or can do. They believe they will never know enough. They fear being exposed as inexperienced or unknowledgeable. So ask yourself these questions to see if you are the expert. Do you shy away from applying to job postings unless you meet every single educational requirement? Are you constantly seeking out trainings or certifications because you think you need to improve your skills in order to succeed? Even if you've been in your role for some time, can you relate to feeling like you still just don't know enough? Do you shudder when someone says you're an expert? If you answered yes to one or all, then you are the expert. Okay. It's true, obviously, that there's more to learn. You know, striving to build up your skill set can certainly help you make strides professionally and make you just seem competitive in the job market. But if it's taken too far, the tendency to endlessly seek out more info can actually be a form of procrastination. So just practice in-time learning Just acquire a skill when you need it. Also, please don't have any shame in asking for help. If you don't know how to do something, ask somebody. Ask your mentor. It's not a problem. Another point that's important to talk about when it comes to imposter syndrome is consistency. It's not the same as quality, right? So if you aren't failing 150 times, you've probably lost... 150 opportunities to be happy so when it comes to changing our minds about ourselves we need a whole list of reasons it's not really easy for us we need opportunities to rethink who we are and what we want and it's hard for people to do we want to be right about ourselves from the beginning right but being right about yourself can come with a cost of being happy with yourself so if you're someone who desperately needs to find their place in the world you need to just quit, quit often, quit over and over again, be an expert quitter, but it also means you need to be an expert starter, so don't be afraid of not finishing, don't like read a book when you don't like it just because you want to finish the book, that's, that's not, that's not good, 
Uh, don't be worried that you won't seem committed, dedicated, dependable, reliable, or like that good girl that follows through. This is like how you learn who you are. You have to show up to find out. So people who are fearful would rather just stick with this like outdated version of themselves because that's how they're conditioned to think that anything less is somehow this like mark on their character that they're going to just be defined by that but i think the opposite is true like maybe sticking with something that doesn't feel right out of principle isn't really principled i think that kind of makes you like a weak character don't you think so I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions, uh, great coaching questions to help you beat imposter syndrome. You can ask yourself these questions at another time as well, or you can ask them to somebody else who you think might be dealing with imposter syndrome. Number one would be, which of your successes are you not taking ownership of? So an inability to acknowledge and internalize your accomplishments is a key theme of imposter syndrome, as I've said. To help make a more objective assessment of your achievements, make a personal success inventory. So you're going to just list your recent key achievements. And for each, I want you to make a note of your skills, capabilities, and your personal qualities that contributed to this success, okay? Recognizing and capturing these success drivers will likely reveal patterns of your flawed thinking. It's going to uncover contributions otherwise dismissed or attributed to others or just to dumb luck, right? So when you complete this, you should take this mental step back. What do you notice? Which of your successes are you not owning? How much of your success have you been discounting or attributing elsewhere? It could just be that somebody else helped you. You didn't do it yourself. So basically having a strong self-awareness of your strengths and their part in your success is the first step to internalizing your accomplishments and beating this. The next question would be, which of your beliefs about success are holding you back? So flawed beliefs about success and failure lie at the root of this whole syndrome. Overcoming this mode of thinking requires awareness and realignment of these inaccurate beliefs. Start by identifying your beliefs about success. Ask yourself, what do I need to do to be and to have in order to be successful? Make some notes, write it down. And now think about any beliefs you're holding about perceived limitations. Ask yourself. I am not worthy of my current successes because I have not done and am not and do not have. Note these beliefs. Now again, take this mental step back and make an objective reassessment and challenge of these beliefs. Look for fact. Allow yourself to consider that previously accepted success criteria may not be wholly accurate. So which of your beliefs are supporting you? Which of your beliefs are holding you back? What would be the effect of updating your beliefs? And how would these things be different? So our beliefs are fundamental to the nature of results we create for ourselves. By reassessing our beliefs with an objective point of view, we have the opportunity to change and reshape them. Number three, which of your strengths are you overlooking? I think this is by far my favorite. People who suffer from imposter syndrome are going to overlook their strengths. 
they prefer to focus on these perceived weaknesses and shortcomings to reinforce these other flawed beliefs. Shift your thinking by first conducting like a strengths inventory. Invest time to ensure that those strengths are maximized and showcased in your day-to-day work. Next, I want you to brainstorm a list of things you do well. Time yourself. Give yourself only five minutes. If you start doing this and you're having trouble, start with really small and obvious things. Uh, Then think of a time when you're really pleased with your performance. What did you do really well? Now that you have a list, take that mental step back. What do you notice? What patterns are you seeing? What are these common factors? What did you do to develop these strengths? Now, what have you overlooked? What's not on this list? What have you forgotten? And take a deep look into common themes. Do you notice anything? Add those additional strengths to your list. Now, consider how these strengths play out in your day-to-day life. And ask yourself, which strengths are not featuring as much as they could? What more could I do to further use these strengths to benefit myself, my team, my organization, whatever you can apply it to? Make sure you get very clear on these strengths. And please, please, please dedicate time to showcasing and maximizing them. Next thing that I think becomes overlooked, who are you talking to about this? Okay, out of these questions, there's going to be one that you're going to probably resist. We don't, we're usually people that don't want to be vulnerable, right? We don't want to risk exposure. But with all these psychological burdens we have, we need to share it with someone we trust because it can reduce the stress and strain, right? So who are you going to talk to about this? Who could you talk to? Look for a trusted confidant, maybe a mentor, uh, just... You can, if you're a little bit nervous about talking to somebody about this, just talk about like a struggle with confidence, just a part where you're procrastinating or just your perfectionism. Just keep it light, conversational. Don't get too heavy if it's too scary for you. So when you find an avenue to talk to someone about this stuff, you actually normalize the situation and you're going to bring in a fresh perspective, new eyes and encourage new modes of thought. So try it. It will help. So let's imagine you beat imposter syndrome, right? What will you be losing? When we embark on a significant behavior change, like overcoming imposter syndrome, it's safe to say we're going to lose something. But what are we going to lose? No matter how unhelpful or destructive a pattern of behavior or thinking may be, there's always some kind of secondary purpose that serves us. So we're always quick to focus on the benefits of a new behavior, but we are also all too often to underestimate how attached we actually are to the existing behavior and how we've been conditioned. And we fail to acknowledge that it has like some secondary purpose. So having imposter syndrome will contribute to hard and diligent working, which then probably could become workaholism, determination and focus which could become anxiety and stress and quality preparation which can become procrastination over preparation and then quality output which also becomes perfectionism it goes on and on it can go on for a while 
So how has this been serving you? What do you stand to lose? And does the loss need replacing with some more productive mode of thinking? Because if we get rid of this, then we're probably going to have to adopt a new behavior. So consider the higher purpose being served by imposter syndrome. You know how everybody says there's a reason for everything? There probably is a reason for your imposter syndrome as well. I don't mean to talk about imposter syndrome as being super negative. I'm just trying to start a conversation about it. But look for and try to develop more alternative productive behaviors to maintain all these desired benefits. So I'm probably just going to end with the two major things that we need to overcome this. Self-awareness and self-acceptance. I mean, these are two things that we all need in every day-to-day life. It just shouldn't apply to imposter syndrome. So it can, imposter syndrome can have the potential to derail careers, but it can be overcome and... By having more self-awareness and accepting yourself and looking at it from the objective side and not a judgmental and critical side can be one of the things that could help us. And if you have any questions on, and you just and concerns and you want to go over this with me, feel free to reach out. I'll be happy to talk about this. I think it's an interesting topic and it should be talked about more to get rid of its stigma. Guess what, guys? You don't have to be just one thing. You can be many things, multiple things, all the things at once. You can be a marketer and a writer, a jeweler, a dancer. You don't have to choose. You don't have to just be one thing in your life, okay? You're allowed to be all of it, and you're allowed to want all of it. None of this makes you flaky or crazy or uncommitted, okay? It makes your life textured, wild, rich, full. You're accomplished. Who doesn't want to be fulfilled, right? So I'm not saying that maybe quitting and starting something new again won't give you anxiety or make you seem like shameful. Like at times you might feel like that, sure. But, you know, just change your audience if that's how you feel. Just move away from them. So just think of yourself as like someone who is like researching first. Just research what you want to do. You want to go to something else? Do something else. It's not that hard. So some of these like assumptions that you can kind of like think about that a lot of people have told me and I've heard, you need a new degree to change careers. Not true. Knowledge costs a lot of money for it to be valuable. Also not true. I think the most valuable knowledge is the one that you get from experience and traveling and trauma Uh, expertise is learned in a classroom not really earned that's also not true and then the biggest one of all your future is defined by your resume so I think a lot of people have assumed these like at one point or another but um, you've probably also assumed that like quitting something you started makes you seem kind of foolish and flaky but ask yourself that is that the truth Or are you maybe just taking your future more seriously than most people? When you have the process of elimination, it helps you get to know yourself in ways that commitment doesn't allow you to. So how are you ever going to know who you are until you know who you aren't? Commitment is a virtue. So don't beat yourself up for your choices. Just pay really close attention. 
have your own experiences in your life, try one thing, try 20, and there's not a team of people that are assigned to your life. Not everyone is sitting around monitoring your happiness by yourself, right? There's no supervisor, there's no boss, you're your own boss. No one's really checking your progress. No one's like reviewing you or testing you. Just also keep that in mind. So if you don't feel inspired by your work, get out of it. Do something to make you feel inspired. Another thing that you could do to practice getting rid of your imposter syndrome is to say yes to new opportunities. So it's impossible to say yes to everything, especially when you're feeling stressed or threat thin. But it's too common for people who have imposter syndrome to turn down these career making opportunities because they just don't feel like they'll do a good job. So when you're presented with this new opportunity, it's important to distinguish the voice in your head saying you can't do it because you're not worthy and the voice saying you can't do do it because you have too much on your plate. The former is that imposter syndrome speaking. But please keep in mind, taking on challenging new work and doing well at it can open a lot of doors for you. Don't let this inner imposter turn down these game-changing opportunities. These can be like wonders that can help you learn, grow, and advance in your career. If someone offers you an amazing opportunity and you're not sure you can do it, say yes. Then learn how to do it later. So it might be intimidating to take on a role you're not sure you can succeed in, but know that you were asked to do it for a reason and there's nothing wrong with learning new things and asking questions along the way. And just embrace the feeling and use it. Yes, it's probably going to be hard to get rid of the imposter syndrome completely, especially if you've had it for years and years. But instead of having it just gone forever, you can just stop it from hindering your success. Okay, so this is probably my favorite part of this whole episode. How to deal with the dream killers, negative Nancys, Karens, probably your mom. Just the people who want to hate on you. Let's talk about them. So guess what? Every good idea is offensive to someone. So when you get the courage to try something new, you're going to threaten people. Good people, reasonable people, trusted people, everyone that you love, people you've known for years. Your ambition is going to be a reminder of what they lack. You're going to be mocked. You're going to be teased. You're going to be ridiculed. We've all been there. You're going to be questioned. And then you're going to want to reconsider for like a brief moment. You're probably going to reconsider what you're doing. I'm here to tell you, don't do that. Every good idea is going to be offensive to someone. These ideas change things. Okay, and they're dangerous. They're dangerous for people because they're going to clash with what's known and safe and what they've been conditioned to do. It can be anything from like a book club to a new business, anything. There's going to be people there that won't like it. Obviously, these are just small examples. I'm just coming up with these from the out of air. So... Even just trying something new says that you're just not satisfied with the old. And then it's going to make people think you're criticizing them for sticking with it. And then for the people who haven't healed, they'll become defensive. 
They'll probably give you some passive-aggressive behavior, jokes, point out all your flaws in your thinking, put you down, give you a list of 100 reasons why you need to think 10 times over before you do it. So just think about this. What they're really saying to you is by challenging the old, you're actually challenging me. You're going to... You won't be able to avoid these dream killers. Anyone from your family to your friends, probably to your partner. I hope it's not your partner because then maybe you should get another partner. But the people who are supposed to be on your team are going to challenge you. It's going to be normal. So just keep that in mind. Especially if you come from a small town, it's going to... You're going to be bombarded with questions, with different ideas. You're going to want to listen don't so unfortunately I have been one to experience a lot of these people so I learned this great trick from this author and she says that when somebody says something to you along those lines what do you say you say I'm sure you didn't mean that to be as rude as it sounded and then give them a sweet smile and then just say allow me to rephrase So it kind of like takes the wind out of what you just said. Just don't take any shit from anybody. It's really important. But then you're going to probably deal with these dream killers that are like well-meaning. They're just looking out for you. They really want you to do the best, be the best, all that. Like the dads who say like, like go to law school, go to business school, don't open up a business right now. Stuff like that. So these people, even though their comments are still going to cut deep, just keep in mind that maybe their criticism isn't a sign that your idea is flawed. It's probably that their understanding of it is flawed. Right? So keep that in mind. Just remember that Nobody really knows what they're doing most of the time. We're just all making it up as we go. Sometimes the opinion people give you is wrong. Sometimes they're just guessing. And when you understand that pretty much the entire population is guessing, then maybe you'll wager a guess too. And then maybe you'll just try. So trying is always the very best thing you can do in any moment. So the people who really have something to worry about are the people who have stopped trying. These are the people who've like retired their curiosity They've just traded those like big dreams that they've had for some kind of false sense of security. And then, you know, the ones who just tell you like, welcome to the real world, that's them. So they've kind of just like stepped out of that idea of getting into the true and like actual greatness of who they really could be. They're not really interested in greatness. They're just interested in being complacent and their opinion is of no use to you. Don't be a parrot. We need people. We need ideas. We need your ideas. The people who think your ideas are stupid are just the people who are terrified that they're being left behind. I just want to leave with a quote by Dr. Valerie Young who wrote, The Secret Thoughts of Successful Women, Why Capable People Suffer from Imposter Syndrome and How to Thrive in Spite of It. She's one of the leading doctors who spoke about imposter syndrome. She says, don't confuse the discomfort caused from feeling outnumbered with thinking you're not smart enough or in some way not worthy of being there. You are where you are because you deserve to be. 
being one of a token few can be stressful, which makes it all the more important that when imposter feelings do strike, you give yourself extra points for performing as well as you do. You may be expected to represent your entire social group, but you need to not accept that responsibility. Assert your right to fall as flat on your face as the next person. I thought that was a perfect way to leave this episode. Till next time, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I just wanted to give you a friendly reminder. If you like what you're listening to, if you like my content, if you like my podcast episodes, really appreciate ratings on Apple, reviews, subscribe, share to your friends, family, anyone you really think would benefit it. And thank you always for the support.